Psalm chapter 34, verses 12 through 14 is where we'll begin. We'll read that, and then we'll talk about it and some other verses as well. Psalm 34, verses 12 through 14 says, Who is the man who delights in life, loving a long life to enjoy what is good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. Beautiful verse, isn't it? I think that everyone in here today delights in life. And that's because living is enjoyable. Living is a good thing. We converse with our fellow man. We enjoy being around our friends and our loved ones. We love to see our children smile at us, tell us that they love us. And we, we delight in hearing, I love you from our spouse. We enjoy life. We delight in life. Well, the psalmist tells us here in the 34th Psalm that if we delight in life and if we would love to have a long life and enjoy what is good during that life, then one of our top priorities should be controlling our speech. We should practice, rehearse, keeping our tongue from evil. Instead of speaking evil things, or speaking evil of our neighbor, we should seek peace and pursue it. To pursue something, you'll notice it says pursue peace there in verse 14. To pursue something literally means to run after it or to chase it down. So I ask, are you making an effort to pursue peace? And in context, in this context, to pursue peace with your tongue, with the speech that you use. Have you been using your speech to kill or to heal? Has your tongue been a well of gossip, slander, sowing discord, or has it been bringing peace, kindness, and help to those who listen to you? Well, my speech has been on my heart for a while now, and I've always known that the Bible has much to say about how powerful our speech is. I remember learning my Bible verses according to the alphabet. As I grew up, I was blessed to have a parents that placed me in Christian school. And the K verse was, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. I think it was in Psalm 34, King James Version. That's how I learned it. Well, I've always known that the Bible has a lot to say about how powerful our speech is and how we should use our tongue accordingly. But not until recently, I'd probably say for the past month, for some reason, Yahweh has laid it upon my heart. I think about my speech when I work in the garden. I think about how I talk to people uh, when I go out to work. And I think about all those things, especially recently. And some of the thoughts that have been going through my mind lately are this. How do I speak to others in gentleness or in harshness? How do I speak about others? Do I complain about others and talk about the failings of others? Or do I pray for others? Do I seek to love others? Do I seek to help other people? When I hear someone begin to speak negatively about another person, do I entertain the words and join in? Or do I turn the conversation in another direction? Is my tongue bringing glory to our Father in heaven? Or am I praising Him with one side of my mouth 
and always acting bitter, harsh, and negative with the other side of my mouth. I want to pray like David prayed. We sing that song, but how many of us want to actually do what that song says? I want to pray like David prayed. And in Psalm 141, verse 3, David said, Set guard, O Yahweh, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I want Yahweh stationed at my mouth, teaching me to speak fruitful words and restraining me from speaking unfruitful words. As Proverbs 13, verse 3 says, New Living Translation, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. In just opening our mouths to speak, we are taking the chance of sinning with what we say or how we say it. Now, one option is never talk at all. I don't think that's a, the best option. We have to speak. So the second option is, is that we, we pray what David prayed and ask Yahweh to set a watch over the door of our mouth. I want Yahweh to be stationed at my mouth. As one ancient Israelite said, probably taking his cue from Proverbs 13.3, he said this, quote, When I keep silent, I control my tongue. When I open my mouth, my tongue controls me. End of quote. Yeshua taught that what comes out of our mouth defiles us. He told his disciples that the scribes and Pharisees were incorrect in worrying about ritually washing their hands. They were so concerned with putting something that was on their hands into their mouths that they had little to no concern with what came out of their mouths. Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, Yeshua says, It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. And later in that same chapter, verses 18 through 20, Yeshua says, But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a man. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a man. All of those evils that Yeshua spoke of in that verse to His disciples that day, all of those evils dwell in our natural hearts, in our fleshly, carnal nature. When we open our mouth and speak slander or gossip or discord or pride or anything such like, it is only because what we spoke first dwelt in our heart. Had it not been in our heart, it would have never come out of our mouth. Controlling our tongue then is not just an option, it's the only option. Controlling our tongue is a must. It is something we must keep at the forefront of our mind and make a conscious effort daily to do. James 1.26 says that those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. According to James, the brother of our Lord, we are fooling ourselves if we think we're a spiritual person, but we don't control our tongue. We may be a Sabbath keeper or a clean eater, but if we are at the same time a pack-a-day gossip, our religion is worthless. We may never murder someone or never commit adultery, But if we are at the same time spreading discord or speaking boastfully or talking down to our neighbor, 
We're just fooling ourselves about how spiritual we are. In Psalm 15, verse 1, the question is asked, Yahweh, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? One of those answers is in verse 3, where it says, The one who does not slander with his tongue, who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor. Words have power. The idea that it's only sticks and stones that break our bones, but words and names will never hurt us, is false. Words have the power to bring life or death. If you walk up to a person with a smile and say, Hey, my friend, it's so good to see you. Even if you don't know them. I did this at the bank the other day. Yesterday, actually. Walked into the bank. A woman teller, never saw her before in my life. Walked up to her and she said, you're next. And I looked at her and I smiled and I said, how are you doing today, ma'am? And she just got this biggest smile on her face. She said, I'm doing fine, thank you. Just lit her day up. That's what happens if you walk up to a person like that. Because words can bring life. Words have power. But you will get an entirely different reaction from them if you walk up to that same person griping and grumbling and complaining with an ugly spirit or a bad attitude. And this is because our speech is either a life giver or a death bringer. We can make a room shine or we can make it the ugliest place on the earth by what we say. Life and death are truly in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Any time that we speak negatively about our neighbor to someone else, we're inviting sin into the midst. We're not just cracking the door open. We're swinging the door wide open and asking the devil to make his home in our conversation. We should never speak about our neighbor in a way that we would not want them to speak about us. If we would be hurt by them saying something about us, then we should never say that about our neighbor. We should never try to put our neighbor down with our words in order to make ourselves look better. Proverbs 16, 27-28 says that mean people spread mean gossip. Their words smart and burn. Troublemakers start fights. Gossips break up friendships. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. And Proverbs 26, verse 20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. You know, it's easy to come up with a thousand ways to justify the sins of our tongue. So let me encourage you to receive these Bible verses that I'm quoting to you today. Submit to the rulership of Yahweh's Word. Just go ahead and submit to it. Don't kick against the pricks. Don't kick against the goads. If they're rebuking you, if they're, if they're exhorting you, whatever they're doing as you sit there, these verses, you let them do it. Submit to the rulership of Yahweh's Word because we cannot ignore what comes out of our mouth even in private or around certain people as though it makes no difference because it's not known in the public sphere. In my personal life, there has been times where something said about me got back around to me and I would be lying if I said that it didn't hurt. I would be lying. 
It wounded my spirit to think that a person that I knew and loved would use their tongue to murmur or complain or whatever about me to someone else. It hurt. But I've been on the other end too. I've been on the end where I forgot how it felt to be talked about and gossiped about and I've been the one doing the gossiping. Now that's a sin to be repented of, not coddled. That's a sin to be dropped, not held on to. And it does not matter if the gossip is true or not. If it's not true, it's slander. If it's part true, it's still slander. If it is true, you should be going to the person who needs help and seeking to help that person. You should not be talking to someone else about that person. Talking about them to someone else only strokes our self-righteousness. It harbors that judgmental resentment and judgmental spirit in us. And it adds more wood to the fire. And the fire blazes strong. There was a certain gossip in town who finally decided that he needed to repent from his gossip. He went to the local preacher and asked what he needed to do. The preacher told him to go home, get a pillow, take it outside, and cut it open. The man did this, but he wondered what in the world a pillow had to do with his repentance. When the man went back to the preacher and told him he had fulfilled the instructions, the preacher said this, Now go back and collect all of the feathers from that pillow. Brothers and sisters, be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not necessarily forgotten. It's very difficult, impossible for that man to collect all those feathers. Preacher was trying to illustrate that to him. Psalm 139 verse 4 says that before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Yahweh. And Yeshua says in Matthew 12, 36-37, that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Yahweh's people should be the most caring and kind people on the planet. If we hear someone try to gossip or talk down about another person to us, we should immediately change the subject. If it continues, we should express to the one who is speaking to us that it would be best to go to that person that they have a problem with. We should not even entertain gossip or behind-the-back talk with our facial expressions. A smirk, a laugh, a nodding of the head, those are all forms of participating in the sin. If someone gets upset at you for stopping discord in its tracks, in other words, if you experience someone gossiping, slandering, what have you, talking down about someone else to you, and you stop it in its tracks and you say, look, brother or sister, I'd just rather not go there. It's probably best if you go to that person. If they get upset with you, then so be it. It is better to upset the person than to upset Yahweh because it upsets Yahweh to talk about someone behind their back. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 18, I don't have this verse on the screen, but Yeshua says that if you see someone that is overtaken in a fault or a sin, that the very first step that you're to do is to go to that person in private 
and hope that that by itself takes care of the problem in the situation. A lot of times we don't do any of the three steps. Instead, we murmur, complain, and gripe about a person. And it's wrong. It's a sin. It's no different than breaking the Sabbath. It's no different than eating pork. It's no different than committing adultery. Sins of the tongue are extremely important. James 1.26, if you think you're religious and you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is worthless. Sometimes words affect people so much that they take their own life because they've been bullied, spoken harshly to, or made fun of. Kids are scarred because someone else thought it would be funny to poke at them and get their kicks off of making fun of another child or teenager. Make mockery of them in front of other people. I have actually read stories about teenage children who committed suicide because other people continuously slandered them. It's a shame. It's a shame that more of us don't stand up against that kind of unholiness. We're called to be a kind people, a gentle people, a loving people, and a forgiving people, a caring people, and a people with kosher speech. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, No foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. I want you to ask yourself this question. Are the words that you speak building up people or tearing them down? Are the words that you speak giving grace to those who listen or something opposite? Ephesians 4.31-32 says, All bitterness, anger and wrath, shouting and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as the Almighty also forgave you in Christ. And then Ephesians 4 verse 30, the verse right in between these two texts, Paul writes that when we speak bitterness, anger, wrath, shouts, and slander, we grieve Yahweh's Holy Spirit. Some translations say we make Yahweh's Spirit sad. I think that's legitimate when you look the Greek word for grieve up. It's as though Yahweh stands there and He watches what we're saying. And it's so funny. I know we, we think this and we say this and maybe we talk about this, but when we're in private or when we're just around one or two other people, Yahweh is always watching. He really is. I mean, He really is watching. He listens. His eyes roam to and fro the earth and He beholds the, the good, but He also beholds the evil. Yahweh watches and it grieves Him. He stands there and He cringes that a person that claims to be His child would use their tongue in that manner. And he thinks, you're my child. You're supposed to be emitting my attributes. And all this slander and bitterness and fits of rage and all these things, Ephesians 4 says, should not be in our mouths, foul language, all of that. That grieves Yahweh's spirit. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says that our speech should always be gracious and seasoned with salt. Yahweh is pleased with His children when we use our tongue for kindness. 
He is pleased when you pursue peace. Psalm 34, 14. Seek peace. Pursue it. He is pleased when you choose to speak prayers about your neighbor instead of telling someone else, did you hear about so and so? Or can you believe about such and such? I want us all to think more about how we use our tongue each day. May we listen to people with compassion. And may we speak to people with grace. It needs to be an everyday effort because it's so easy to slip up and forget. You can train your tongue to speak life even if you've been in the habit of speaking death. You can train your tongue in certain cases to keep silent even if you've been in the habit of opening up a fountainhead of discord and slander. You can train your tongue, but it will probably take time if you haven't been doing so. So when you sin with your tongue, don't ignore it. Repent. Get back in the race. Pray. Ask Yahweh to forgive you. And ask Him, Father, please help me set a watch over the door of my mouth. Guard what I say. Guard my lips. When you catch yourself gossiping or complaining about someone else, rebuke yourself and ask Yahweh to forgive you. And then ask the person that you were gossiping to, ask them to forgive you as well. I know that's a humbling experience. That might be something that we have to humiliate ourselves to do. But we need to do that. Make an effort to have a tongue of holiness and think before you speak. I found this acronym. Think before you speak. In this case, the T stands for, is it true? H, is it helpful? Is it going to help the situation? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? I believe one of the greatest witnesses that we can have for unbelievers to look at is what we speak and what we do not speak. How different, brothers and sisters, think about this, how different from the world we would be if we practiced using our tongue to heal, mend, care, bless, praise, and love. It's easy for us to talk that way at church. It's easy for us to talk that way, put on a show around certain people, make people think we're holy, make people think we're spiritual. I'm talking about on an everyday basis. If we rehearse and practice healing with our speech, mending with our speech, caring, blessing, praising, and loving with our speech, the world is just the opposite. They do the opposite of these attributes. And I believe, I truly believe that after this lesson today, the adversary is going to try his best to make you forget all of the scriptures that we went over in this sermon. It's kind of like the parable of the soil. Remember the birds that come and they pluck up the seed that has just been planted and that actually happens because I noticed I woke up, I planted some seed on preparation day weeks ago, Sister Lisa. And I woke up and I looked out of the uh, bathroom, or I'm sorry, the kitchen window, and the birds were down there eating some of my seeds. And of course, my immediate reaction was, I thought, I need to go down there and shoo them out. Or brother, brother Ron says, shoot them. But I thought, you know, the parable come to my mind. Some seed falls among the thorns. Some seed falls on the rocks. Some seed, the birds come away. And the birds represent the enemy. 
So I bring this up so that you're conscious that after this sermon, what's going to happen is Satan, the adversary, whoever you believe him or they are, is going to try to steal these Bible verses that we went over about our speech away from you and get you to ignore them. Make you think they don't really matter. It's not that big of a deal. I don't need to worry about that. It's okay. I can get around it. I can justify it. Those thoughts are going to come in your mind. You need to push those thoughts down. Quell every thought that tries to come against the knowledge of Yahweh and His Word when Satan tries to fly over and you know take away that which was sown. Don't allow the adversary to do it. He wants you to justify your sin. He wants you to continue to use your tongue in a negative way. And he hates it when you use your tongue in a positive and, and biblical, scriptural way. So instead, you need to say, no, I choose to be different. I choose to speak peace. I choose Yahweh's way. I choose to bridle my tongue. I choose to pray like David prayed. Let us watch what we say, brothers and sisters. And may Yahweh help all of us in this regard. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You so much for its truths. Yahweh, I have had to do a lot of repenting as I have been going over these Scriptures and a lot of self-examination and checking. Uh, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Your Spirit dwells in me and is makes me conscious of sin. I would hate if that wasn't the case. Father Yahweh, You're working on me, working on my heart and my mind, and I pray that You work on all of us in regards to how we use our speech. Let us be an example to the world and an example to everybody in this regard. I pray that we would go back over these texts. They'd become part of us. We'd memorize some of them. Put them on the refrigerator. Write them on the dashboard of our car. Whatever we need to do to remind ourselves to speak kosher, to speak fit. Father Yahweh, I pray that we would love our neighbor. We would love them with the words that we say. And in, in doing so, we're loving you, Yahweh. Father Yahweh, thank you for giving me a wake-up call. And I pray that the words that I spoke today would not be said in vain. And I know that the Scriptures won't because your Word will do what you set it, set it out to accomplish. I love you, Father Yahweh. I love your Son. I pray these things to you, Father, through your Son. Amen.